Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke. We are in the second chapter. Uh, we'll begin in verse 8 today and go through verse 14, but we're really going to focus on verse 14. Um, that's where the song is located. So we're in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's a pew Bible there in front of you, and you can turn to page 1018, and you will find it there. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, uh, there's the Pew Bible. That's our gift to you. We want you to have that because we don't want anyone to be without God's Word. And there it's written, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in prayer. O holy God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this Advent, as we've been gearing up towards Christmas, we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, and within Luke there are contained songs. And we've been exploring these songs of Christmas. We heard Mary sing her Magnificat and after she was, it was announced to her that she would carry the Christ child. And, and we dove into that song. And two weeks ago, we heard Zechariah, an, an unlikely source of a Christmas song, for he was made mute and unable to talk for all of his wife Elizabeth's pregnancy. But the moment his son John, who would grow up to be John the Baptist, was born, he sung praises unto the Lord. Well, today we run into angels. The other two were earthly singers, and this time we run into a multitude of the heavenly host singing the very first Christmas carol. I mean, a mere moments after the birth of Jesus, an angel appears to the shepherds outside the city of Bethlehem and makes the announcement. And this moment is quite Remarkable, And it's quite remarkable for a number of reasons. One of them being is that we have never heard the angels singing in all of Scripture until this very moment. We've been told of their singing. In the Psalms, David writes that the angels are singing in the heavens. And God himself tells us the last time that they sung here on earth. And it was at the end of creation. God is in this back and forth with Job as Job is going through losing all of his family and, and Job is, is making arguments to God and there God responds to him in chapter 38. And he says, these are God's words, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have this understanding. Who determined its measurements? 
surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Or what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? For when the morning stars sung together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. There it is. Right there, God lets us know that it was the angels who sung of God's glory upon the completion of creation. They, they sung all of God's praises that God had created all of the world. And they sung for great joy, God tells us. And now, now we hear the angels singing. We hear their voice. We hear their words. And they're singing to shepherds. It's the birth of Christ, the birth of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one we make great, a great about today, was not announced first and sung to by angels to kings or Caesar. They didn't gather up all the priests in Israel so that they could hear the angels singing. It wasn't an elite black tie affair held down at the local country club that the angels were paid to come and sing. No, it was rather shepherds. Shepherds not even in the city who were out in a field keeping watch over their flock. They were announced by an angel of Jesus' birth, of great news, of great joy. And then suddenly, not only was there one angel, but there became a multitude, a multitude of the heavenly host bursting out in song to these shepherds out in the field. And they sang glory, glory to God in the highest. Now their song, their song is quite short when we compare it to Mary's and Zechariah's song, yet it is very instructive. For they sing of God's glory. And they say, what has been done with the birth of Jesus is of his highest glory. And it's his highest glory because God himself has humbled himself to be born a child so that he could live in order to die, to die in the bondage not of his own sins, but to die in bondage of our sins. And when we take a moment and we pause and we reflect of the heavenly host coming to sing of God's glory, of what's transpiring here, for they came to break the news of salvation for all the people through the Christ child. And they sing of God's glory and said, it's the highest glory. It's the most glorious thing God has ever done. And they sing to the shepherds. They come and sing because God is saving man. God is coming to save man and the angels sing. He's not coming to save angels. God isn't coming to redeem Satan. And the third of the angels that fell with him. But he's coming to save ungodly 
man who's at enmity with God. And the angels, if they were more like us in our flesh and in our sin, would have been filled with envy and strife and contempt. Well, why aren't you saving our kind of people? Why aren't you saving our kind and rescuing them from what they've done? And you're going to go save them? They're unworthy of being saved. For they've never even been in your presence. But that's not what the angels did. For upon the very birth of Christ, the angels come forth to sing of God's great glory. In the hymn, it's sung, Angels from the realms of glory, with wing your downward flight to earth. Ye who sing creation's story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. Come and worship, worship Christ, the newborn King. For we learn from the angels singing that it's not creation that is God's highest glory, but his highest glory comes from the salvation of man. But God is glorified all the time. So what makes this any different? Right? We learn in Scripture that God is glorified by all of creation simply existing. It glorifies God. That when the sun rises in the morning and that first ray of light races across the seas, sparkling through each drop of water and across the land and as it hits the dew on the blades of grass, he's magnified. For when the birds sing in the morning light and flowers blossom and bloom on trees and in shrubs, surely God is glorified. From the fish in the sea to the creatures creeping on land and the birds in the sky, God is magnified by all creation. The stars at night, the lightning flashing in the darkness, and the thunder booms of his glory. And we're told even if we were to all lose our voice and not one of us to ever care about God again, the rocks themselves would shout and cry out of God's glory. But these are no rocks. These are angels. Angels who exist in the very presence of God and his glory all the time. And still, when Christ is born, they come singing. Singing glory to God in the highest. Gloria in excelsis Deo. For God becomes man that God may be just and the justifier of the ungodly. For in the birth of the Christ child, what love, 
What amazing love is revealed when the triune God unrobes himself from the mystery he's shrouded in and is born into this child as Jesus becomes a man. What instructs us from the angel singing is that salvation most glorifies God. And the angels sing and celebrate the gospel. And they sing, and on earth peace, goodwill towards man. For God's highest glory also is to bring us peace. A peace that does not exist until this child is born. A peace that will pass all understanding and all suffering and all tragedies and all trials and all tribulations and all celebrations, a peace that is eternal. A peace that is to come here on earth because we are at war and rebellion against God and his ways. That's what our sin is. It's saying my ways are better than God's ways and I'm not even concerned about God's ways because I know me best. And folks, that puts us at enmity with God. But it's through Christ, it's through Christ that we are born again, repenting of those sins and we come to die to ourselves and to live for Christ. For you see, the peace on earth is a peace that passes all understanding because, quite frankly, the truth is we have no business having this peace. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We're at enmity with God, and yet it is in his provision and providence that he has come to show us love with the highest glory. For Jesus is born, and the angels sing. When Christmas comes near, one of the things we like to do as a family is watch a Christmas movie. As a kid growing up, it was <coughs> the day after Thanksgiving was planes, trains, and automobiles. <coughs> You can use shower rings as earrings. You might be on to something. But now in my family, the, the Christmas movie that fills our house is Home Alone. <laughs> Home Alone because deep down inside of me, I always wanted to grow up to be Kevin McAllister. <laughs> I mean, this kid, it, Home Alone, age eight, he gets to go shopping for himself and he even buys toothbrush and toothpaste and still finds time to make useful all the toys in the house to set booby traps for the thieves and robbers that are to come. But there's more to Kevin than that. Fred age eight, home alone. He finds a way to make it to church at Christmas. And there, he ends up sitting next to old man Marley, who all the kids in the neighborhood are scared of. And as they're there to glorify God and praise him for the birth of Jesus. Kevin encourages old man Marley to make peace. To make peace with his son for a fight 
years ago that they can't even remember. For the angels sang glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards man. And so this Christmas, I urge you to keep it just as the angels sang it. To give glory to God, to sing and to worship our creator and our deliverer. And also to make peace. For to give glory to God and hold on to the, con the contempt in our hearts is actually the very definition of a hypocrite. Make peace. Seek out the family that you have long written off and make peace. For those that you have found yourself gossiping about, slandering, speaking ill of, make peace. That's the way to keep Christmas. Peace on earth and glory to God. And if there's anything that's preventing you from having peace of mind and peace in your heart, if you're in the midst of a storm or a tragedy and you can't find peace in that storm, do not be afraid to wake the Lord up, to cry out to him in prayer asking for peace, for this peace on earth the angels sing about is also for you. So let us leave here determined. Determined that if we've been angry all year long, let this week be an exception. That if you have found yourself being unkind and gossiping and slandering and speaking ill of others, that this week you would find it time to be kind and forgiving and gentle. And if you're living at enmity with God, I pray that God will intervene in your heart and bring you at peace with him. And so it is that when you gather with family and friends this year, don't wait to bring them to the preacher so that they hear the glories of God. Share it with them. Celebrate the gospel. Give the highest glory to God and sing with the angels. Amen.